Coach Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Jonathan Butler is a singer, songwriter, and guitarist who leads a life a few can imagine. Born in South Africa under the shadow of apartheid and raised in poverty, Butler was the first non-white artist to be played on South African radio and appear on national television. At 13, Jonathan's talents caught the eyes and ears of the British record producer Clive Calder. He was signed to Calder's Jive Records and the rest is history. Jonathan's first single broke down racial barriers, becoming the first song by a black artist played by white radio stations in South Africa and won the South African equivalent to a Grammy. His commitment to his craft came to fruition with his self-titled debut album, which received a Grammy nomination for the pop hit Lies. An instrumental Going Home earned him another Grammy nomination, and the mid-tempo ballad Sarah Sarah confirmed Butler's place in popular music. Jonathan continues to release music and perform to sold-out audiences around the world. Up next on Celeb Savant, we've got Jonathan Butler. Where do we find you in the world? How are you doing and what's happening in your life? Man, you can find me, uh, well, I'm in LA. I'm in okay. Calabasas. It used to be called Color Blacklist. <laughs> we used to call it Color Blacklist because okay. there were no black people here when we started coming here, you know, you know, uh, but it's now it's like, you know, celebrity, uh, you know, black NBA, basketball, mm -hmm. football stars. Yeah. Uh, you hear their cars c coming up and down the street. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you doing? Man, I'm doing very good, man. I, uh, getting older though, getting older, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's one thing that doesn't change. Yes, it's time and age. You just, you know. I'm, but I'm good, brother. I'm really good. So let's rewind. Let's take it all the way back. And it's a a many year journey. So yeah. the hybrid version, or right. the few minute version of the okay. Jonathan Butler story in the entertainment world. Well, what can I tell you? A little boy who grew up in Belgravia Estate, Athlone, mm. uh, in Cape Town. Yeah. Uh, one of 12, actually wow. one of 17, I've learned of late. My, oh, wow. the last time I was in Cape Town this year in, uh -huh. in, in February, in March, I was there for like six weeks, I think. Yeah. And, uh, I had my brothers and sisters over, you know, so we all were just, just eating and chatting and, mm. and, uh, turns out that we were 17 kids. <laughs> I'm out, what? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm the baby and who's 61 and my oldest is 60, 60, 60, 81, 81. 81. Okay. So, um, yeah, I grew up in Belgravia, you know, I, uh, I think my earliest memories of, of Belgravia was kind of short lived because the next thing I knew I was, I was whisked away in a car all the way to Durban when I was like six, six or seven. I was whisked away to Durban. And there in Durban, I sang at a club, uh, a nightclub called the Casino in the city. And, uh, I met, uh, some beautiful, great musicians. You know, I remember being so in awe of these musicians. And so, but I grew up in Durban in Overport, West Road. Mm -hmm. And then I also grew up in Johannesburg. Okay. I actually, my first stop as a, as a young boy was Fordsburg. And I was with the Golden City Dixies. I was with this huge play, you know, and this play would travel from city to city for like six months at a time, you know, and play all the city halls, 
and and it was quite an amazing experience, you know, because we we actually lived in the theater where we performed. That was our accommodation. Oh wow! You know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the ladies would sleep like on the stage with the curtains closed, and oh, wow. the sleep in the in the in the auditorium. And so it was kind of like a roadshow, a family affair roadshow, but it was well known, you know, in every city from Cape Town to Bintuk to mm-hmm. Angola, uh, Botswana. I grew up with quite a hell of a story, musically speaking, yep. starting out very young, age five. And mother and father was musicians too, my brothers and sisters. And the legacy of the butlers is the my niece and nephews and cousins are all in music. They do the carnival, the Cape Carnival every year. It's called the Butler Initiative or the Butler Project. And they kind of, they've, they've taken the mantle and sort of run with it, you know, uh, keeping the butler name alive in Cape Town through the carnival experience. So now how did the journey of being in that play and then it result you to moving overseas? I think you were in the UK first. And then America, yeah. let's fill those gaps in. First of all, as a little boy, I actually performed locally at, in Cape Town. I, I also sang in Malay choirs. I sang uh, um, one, when my parents discovered that I could sing like the rest of the siblings. I think they were quite shocked that I could sing as well as I did as a five-year-old, you know. Yeah. And I was very confident. Like once I started, I would be shy. But I, you know, but once I get into it, it's, you can't stop me. I signed up for carnival. My father was in carnival. My eldest brother, Leslie, I mean, Cecil was in carnival. So I loved the carnival experience and we competed. So I come, I did a lot of competitions with the carnival and also sang in the lake choirs where you compete at the city hall, you know, and I won like several first prize trophies, which I, I don't know where and why in the hell's name. My mother never kept them but it was such was my family you know all these earthly treasures didn't really matter much i think i sort of became a little household name in cape town because i also then sang in cabaret and shows there was a club a nightclub in athlone on full strut and it used to be called uh, mm. the goldfinger lounge so i sang on sunday nights cabaret i would sing there so i became like a household name in my in cape town and that's what sort of got me auditioning for the Golden City Dixies. This man, uh, I don't want to mention his name, but he, uh, he auditioned me to, he was the owner and director, producer of the play. And, uh, as a matter of fact, I've never really seen a white man in my whole life. When this man showed up at my mother's doorstep, I literally ran away. I ran away. Never seen a white man before. I worked and sang in his play for years, you know, until I was probably 12. Uh, and then by that time, I'd gotten back home, and then I started singing with the Rockets, actually. started performing with the Rockets. Uh, I was probably the youngest member of the Rockets. And singing in clubs with bands and stuff. And then I was discovered by uh, Cl- Clive Calder, who uh, was the owner of Jive Records, okay. and Ralph Simon. And so they signed me and flew me to Joburg. And when I got to Joburg, I stayed at my sister-in-law's house. Uh, in River Lee. So then I started making records for Clive Calder at Jive Records. And the first, the first gold record, can you see behind me? Yes. See, these were from 1974. Wow. And 75. Yeah. And then right here in my hand, this thing is my Sari Award. 
Okay. From 1975. That's a small thing. It's a small thing, but what a big statement for me. Yes. Because I remember the night so vividly how it impacted the the whole country consciously, politically, that he is the first black kid to win a a Sari Award in this all-white room. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was a black artist there, but you know, I won this, this award as the, the best new artist. Um, so I keep it here. Of course, yes. As a reminder. And these yes. gold records, besides the ones that I have, these three right here and this little, this little Sari award, mm. it really means so much to me. And so once I got signed to Clive and Ralph, I did, a lot of touring, did a lot of recordings and stuff like that. And then I grew up, my voice changed and they had a bigger vision. They wanted to, they wanted to expand Jive Records to UK. And once they established themselves in the UK, I did some demos and communicated with them through my demos and sent them some, some work, you know, as some, some songs. And they decided to sign me, uh, give me a deal in London. Mm. And the deal was basically. Kind of like, if it doesn't work, you can go back. But I remember when I signed the contract, Clive took the contract and said, you see this paper? We'll never see him again. <laughs> you know? And so, so I was signed to Clive since I was a teenager, man, for years, many years. And then Jive, I did, had great success with, with on Jive UK, writing great songs for Tom Jones, for George Benson, Willie Jackson. Uh, God, I wrote for... Point of Sisters, Patty LaBelle, Regina Bell. I wrote a lot of songs and uh, sort of developed my chops as a songwriter. And then did this double album came out, you know, Lies and all that stuff. And when that went platinum and top five gold records and Grammy nominations. And it was quite a, it's been quite a journey. You mentioned that you've written a lot of songs for other artists. What's the difference between when you're writing for other artists and when you write for yourself? Is it easier for or for yourself or how is that process different for each? Well, I, writing for other people gives me a chance to look into their soul, so to speak, and listen to their tone in my mind. You know, I can hear their tone of voice and I can say, look, I can start something and hear Patty's voice. Pedal Bell's voice, and I'm going like, oh man, I can hear George Benson's voice in my head and go, oh man, this will be a great kind of song for him. You got to be able to take yourself outside of your body and let, and think about what that other person, like for my wife, I'd like to write something for her, but I already heard something, you know, something mm-hmm. from like the 80s, uh, of a song that written by Earl Clue, Living Inside Your Love. And I'm like, cause she's a violin. She plays violin. Yes. I'm like, oh, this melody would be beautiful. It's about like having a different objective, not just thinking about you or write a song for me and then maybe I'll give it to you. Yeah. That may not be the way forward, I think. And collaboration has really helped me a lot. Collaborating with people has helped me also understand who the artist is I'm writing for, you know, cause they can help me. My spy partner, my writing partner can help. Mm. I think some of my best successes has always been collaborating with people. And I always try to encourage young musicians and artists, don't write in a vacuum, you know, also try to collaborate with people because Mm. you never know. Some of the best gems can come out of that. 
were there any collaborations that there was a little bit of friction or was it all easy flowing and energetic wise that oh i was like a sponge man i was like a sponge i was like a little kid yes you know i was just happy to be in the room with somebody that can show me the way i'm from cape town you know i'm from so i'm writing in my from my cape town perspective it was kind of nice to sort of meet somebody like my partner, Charlie and Skinner. He was like a lyricist, you know. I mean, his focus was like lyrics. When I give him a melody and I'll give him an idea, you know, like Sarah, Sarah, as, you know, I got a song called Sarah, Sarah. And I played these changes for him on the piano and I started singing it. Sarah, Sarah, dun, 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 dun. So he would like take the, those mm's and ha's and, and put words to them, <laughs> okay. you know, put, yeah. put a lyric to them, you yeah. know. It's so cool just like for me to have met people who was just their job is writing lyrics. We are not all supposed to be producers, you know, we're not all supposed to be arrangers. There are people who are really, that's their gift. That's their, that's their strong points, yeah. you know. So I've learned early on that just because I can work my computer in my studio and dial my sound, it doesn't make me an engineer or it doesn't make me a producer. I think it's better if I'm just an artist performing because I'm a performer. From the perspective of a young kid coming from Cape Town, Durban, Johannesburg, and then going to the international stage, and then yeah. you collaborating with the likes of Paddy LaBelle, Regina Bell, Pointer Sisters, George Benson, was there ever moments when you were in the room with these people who were like, what's happening right now? Is this actually happening? Am I actually here? <laughs> I, I, You know what? I am still having surreal moments yeah. uh, because I remember sitting with Stevie Wonder. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I remember him calling me. <laughs> okay. and, and, and I remember I was in my kitchen and the phone rang and I just didn't know the number because it had a weird, you know, Stevie's got codes, whatever. I picked up the phone and it was Stevie Wonder, my childhood hero. My childhood hero is mm. on the phone. It's like Jesus is on the phone. <laughs> what do you do? Throw the phone down? <laughs> Run away? You know, and like, I couldn't believe it. I just kind of had a very surreal experience. I always treasure that because it means that I, I recognize and respect these artists so mm. much. Yeah, I've been in the, I've been in the room with a lot of people. I think for me, like being in the room with Nelson Mandela and, and, and Desmond Tutu was like that moment where I just, I didn't know what to say to Nelson Mandela. I just said, uh, I just said, thank you. I love you. I said two words. I love you and thank you. That's all I said. <laughs> and after I sang for him, I sang for him like, you know, you and I talk like this. I sang like Amazing Grace on his 94th birthday in Cape Town. Mm. And uh, after I sat down, next to him was his wife. And on the other side was Sharon Stone and Robert, uh, Robert De Niro and, okay. you know, Mariah Carey. And, and yes. it was just creepy, full of people. And I sang Amazing Grace. And after I sang it, I just walked up to him, said, I love you. I kind of hugged him from behind mm. and I said, I love you. And thank you. That's it. I didn't have, and it's the same way with Stevie Wonder. I mean, but nowadays he'll call and FaceTime me. You know, one day he FaceTimed me. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. And he just FaceTimed me just to, like, chit-chat. You know, he's eating Chinese food. Yes. You know, slipping noodles. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? So it was you know, like a very, a 
fucking humble. I mean, I come from humble beginnings. Yeah. And, I, and I know that this stuff is for all South African artists and musicians that I speak mm. for is, you know, for us, it's America is so, so huge, so big. Yeah. And the, the yeah. fruit is big. The yeah. breads are big. Yes. The meat is big. So, so, so kind of like coming from Cape Town, I was like, the first time I arrived in New York, I went yeah. to like a burger place and I said, excuse me, can I have a hamburger? Guys, like, what's that? You know, Yo, what's that's that? how they're on New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, yeah, I just want a hamburger. What, what do you want on the burger? I said, man, um, well, whatever it comes with. What kind of cheese do you want? I said, what kind of cheese? Nobody's ever asked me in Cape Town what kind of cheese do I want. We just eat the freaking burger, man. Yeah, Give yeah. me the hell. You know what I mean? So, so it's been very, it's been very, it's very humbling to me. Seriously, mm. I, I don't take it lightly. The reason also I was resonating with you because now, now I've been doing these interviews now for two years and you are my 118th person that I'm interviewing. And it's from artists from all around the world, all these places. And again, I become like friends with them and I've got a few of them on WhatsApp and we're chatting. I'm like sitting out. I'm just chatting with this person who have, I've had their CDs with since I was little. What is happening right now? <laughs> See, you understand the feeling. It's like, um, like last weekend I was uh, in, in Florida. I was doing a show, two shows, one in Florida, one in Ma- Maryland in, in the East Coast. And in, when I got to Florida, it's Marcus Miller on stage with David Sanborn. Tripped mm. me out completely, just completely freaked me out. Then I go to Capital Jazz, and then Marcus comes on stage and plays. He just invited himself to play with me. Now, this is a cat I've listened to for years, man. So can you imagine just like here I am on stage with this guy, and we are just having a blast. And yeah. so the next day, we wake up at like 4 a.m. in the morning, get on a plane at 6 o'clock, fly to Maryland, Capital Jazz Festival. We're sitting in the lobby. Who walks through the lobby is, you know, George Benson just checking out of the hotel. I'm there chatting with him. Uh, and then I see PJ Morton and I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Every, all the stars is coming out. Uh, people Bryson starts walking out and I'm like, man, this is a day. This is a feast for me. And I'm going to take the advantage of saying hello to everybody. Exactly. But the, you know what the thing is? Another thing, and my colleagues and friends laugh at me because I've got this concept that yeah. it's not literal, but figuratively, we all yeah. use two-ply toilet paper. No one's got gold-plated <laughs> yeah. toilet paper. So whenever I'm getting into... If find that person, let me know. <laughs> so when I'm speaking to you, the same way I speak to the lady at the uh, checker's counter, the same way I speak to... T- I speak to everyone equally because I believe yeah. that we are all equal. We right. all have red blood. We all use two-ply toilet paper. That what helps me in those situations. So like, okay, yeah. there's Jonathan. Yeah. He's using two-ply. I'm using yeah. to play. Let's go say hi. Howdy doody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, some sometimes for me, I, I I always check myself with certain celebrities because you don't know what to expect. Like I was like that with Stevie Wonder. I was like, I hope he's nice because yeah. I've loved him my whole life. I hope he's a cool guy, you know. Mm. And when I met Stevie, he was just exactly what he he is who he is. And what 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 really tripped me out even the most was. When he invited me to the studio, his mm. studio. And so I go to the studio, you know, and I walk inside and I'm there an hour early, of course, you know, and he comes <laughs> in this, the six foot, he's tall, you know, he walks in okay. with his wife and, uh, he can sense me, he sense yes. the vibe. 
And he said, hey, JB, hey, Jonathan, you know, and of course, I'm already melting like, oh, my God, man, I can't believe this is happening to yeah. me, man. You know, I really can't believe. It. But I, I observed my eyes went all over the studio. I mean, this guy's studio was like a piece of history. Yeah. I mean, monumental history of gear, you know, microphones and pianos that are from 19... 19- 50 or so, you know, I mean, vintage gear. Yes. And, and it has this library against the wall, like stacked up to the roof of books and memorabilia and two Steinway grand piano side wow. by side and an old, an old organ, like a B3 church organ, two Fender Rhodes, uh, like stuff that he, and the drum kit where he has his drum kit. And I was like, man, this guy's world is so big. I came home that night. I told my wife, I said, babe, this guy's world is so big. Some of us are, are not even, cannot even fathom, you know, it's mm. like, it's, it's like somebody once said to me, some people, they think they're on the mountain when they're standing on a hill. Yes. But when you really see people on the, when you see people on the mountain, like mm. Stevie, when I walked into that room, I was like, wow, man, this guy, his world is big, man. I'm in, <laughs> I'm inside him, you know, yeah. and I'm sitting and vibing with him and he's playing me four songs from his new record. And I guess I always want to feel this sense of this, this little boy who always yeah. loved and appreciated things, you know, I don't ever want to feel like it's, ah, oh, just, it's just a normal day. Mm. I don't want to do that. I, I pray never to be that way. As a matter of fact, I told my manager that last night I was singing at a charity event in Beverly Hills. And I told her, I said, you know, just remind me to stay humble, okay? Because these people that I just sang for are really good people. They really care about me to ask me every year to come and participate in their charity events, you mm. know? So, yeah, man. It's funny because you talk about toilet paper. I just did a cruise with uh, Dave Cars. Yes. Uh, and we were in, in Europe, you know, in Barcelona, Portugal, Spain. And, uh, Casablanca, you know, ah. so, but the, when you, it's Dave Cars and friends. Mm. So the ship has all Dave Cars memorabilia everywhere. Like the, the, the carpet in the elevator says Dave Cars. <laughs> like the flag over the ship says Dave Cars. So I made a joke on stage. I said, if Dave Cars has toilet paper <laughs> with his face on it, I'm not doing this cruise. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> if your name is on this toilet paper, Dave, we are best friends. But I just told him, he laughed so hard. He said, man, I said, I'm sure somebody's considering that right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but there'll still be two-ply. There'll <laughs> still be two-ply, exactly. There'll still be two-ply from Checkers. From Checkers, yes. Yeah. Um, so for the international listeners out there, Checkers is a South African supermarket, just to keep you in the loop. <laughs> like like Ralph's here in LA. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So Jonathan, you mentioned you did the charity show, you did the cruise show, you did the jazz festival. What keeps you going to get back on that stage? You're like, okay, I'm going to get back out there and do my thing. What is that motivation? What do you enjoy about it? If it's the only thing you were born to do, do it. That's what I was, this is what I was born to do. I know it. It's the only thing I know. Okay. I don't know anything else. I know from the age of five as a little boy, when they put me on stage for the first time and I sang Delilah by Tom Jones in the civic hall in my community on a Friday night or Saturday night. And I, people threw money on the stage because they loved my performance. I felt noticed. I felt like somebody noticed me. And I realized what keeps me going 
to answer your question in another way is this, is knowing that I make people happy. Mm-hmm. That keeps me going. Knowing that I that people's lives are deeply affected when I'm performing and there's always a, a, a sense of spirituality, a mm-hmm. sense of purpose behind what I do. And that became clearer, clearer to me as older as I got. And the more I performed in different parts of the universe, I realized that, that the, I became emboldened because of my faith to just stand up there and unequivocally be unashamed of what it is I'm supposed to do. And that is to make people happy. I know that. And to speak truth to power on the stage or even not on stage, but mm-hmm. to speak truth to power and, and from a place of love and a place of grace and a place of gratitude. I'm the baby of a family that grew up in a shanty house, a suitcase, you know, in Cape Town. We cleaned our own toilets, you know, and we had an outhouse for a toilet. We had yes. to dig a hole. I came from very, very humble beginnings. And so it's, it's so humbling that God gave me this gift and I get paid for it. I get to see the world. I get to stand on the stage in Indonesia and sing, you know, say my piece when it's my turn. Mm. And, you know, they play, they don't pay me to sing. They pay me to travel. That's (laughs) because the singing part is for me, the gig is fun. The gig is fun and the gig should be fun. It's the traveling. That's a pain. You lose your passport or you're delayed or you, yes, you know, uh, you don't get yeah. to the gig on time. You you know, you get to the gig and nothing's working. And you have to cancel the gig because nothing's working. Oh, I've God. had that happen a few times where you get to the gig. Oh, we, we, we played in Dallas one time a couple of months ago. And we did the sound check. And then we, after sound check, back to the hotel. Then we went back to the gig. Mm. And nothing worked. Oh. So the gig was canceled. 2,000 people had to get their money back. So oh, we going back this month to go do the same show in Dallas. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. the thing is that all these things happen for a reason. We count on technology too much sometimes. And sometimes it's just yeah. like the universe, technology, whomever, whatever, saying, uh-uh, yeah. it's not happening today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. I mean, I'm old school, man. Back then, you know, in Cape Town, you know, you just had an amp plugged in. You didn't have monitors. No. You just had these two speakers and a mm-hmm. microphone and a little uh, what a shore head that you plug your mics into one after yeah. the other. And that was your gig. But I mean, it, you know, to me, I, I'm, you know, I know this is, that's what keeps me going is seeing the tears in people's eyes. People be crying. People, people worship people, not me, but people yeah. feel, they feel a sense of liberty uh, and they feel a sense of grace and spirituality coming from the stage. And that's really why I, I just know this is the only thing I have. This is the only thing I am is music. I am just music. I'm not anything else. I'm not a doctor. I'm just music. <laughs> I love this game. And I recognize if I had to ask you this question in two days, two hours, two months, I know your answer will be different every time. And I recognize that. Okay. Okay. I'm not saying favorite, but if you had to push play to five songs by other artists, once we've finished this interview, what would those five songs be and by whom? Okay. Five songs. Sting, number one. I'll say Fragile. I'll pick Annie Lennox, Why. I'll pick Stevie Wonder with My Sharia Moore. I'll pick um, Earl Clue, Living Inside Your Love. Mm-hmm. I'll pick uh, one more. One yes, more. one more, one more. I'll pick um, 
Don't Give Up, Peter Gabriel, and uh, what's the other singer with him? Kate Bush. Isn't that Kate? No. Kate Bush. Yes, Kate Bush. Yes. Yeah. Don't yes. Give Up. There you go. Yes. Jonathan, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. So as a final message to the audience, what would you like to say? Well, first of all, I'd like to say it's it's I'm grateful to be above ground. Thank you. I'm grateful for health and strength and uh, for grace, mercy. I'm grateful for love and family mm-hmm. and friends and my grandchildren. I'm grateful to have to be loved. I think those are the most important things to me. I hope it is to my fans too. I think I'm here because also of hard work and sacrifice. But those that endure to the end will receive a crown. So to all my, all your listeners and to all of the people listening to me, this is a race. Not, this is not a marathon. This is a gentle, slow paced race. I don't know what pace everybody's running in, but for me, I'm 61. I'm grateful to still be alive. I should have been dead, but I'd say to all your friends and your friends and people watch listening to me today. Yeah, I'm grateful for those things that I just mentioned earlier and the fact that this is about enduring and perseverance and patience because that the stuff that's behind me, they'll come. Mm. The gold records and the awards will come. Just don't climb over people's heads to get it. Don't trample on people to get it. Let grace be your guide. Let 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 love shine the way. Let peace make make you feel comfortable. And always write your own songs. Write your own music and tell people your story, why the songs you are writing, what does it mean, where you're from. And so I'm from Cape Town. I know Pabuti. I know Bunny Chow. I know Ruchi and Kerry. I know Boltong and Burwos. I know my story. Those are five things I just mentioned. I know my story. Yes. So know your story, everybody. I love you guys a lot. I mean, I hope that you hear in my heart in a big way, you know, that's where, that's where I reside.